Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, Kevin is on virtual assignment covering film art. I'm stuck here in the studio, all alone, but we'll be talking about the romantic comedy iGirl. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to you a bit later from his news desk at a real doll manufacturing plant will be Mr. Kevin Ma. But before we get to that, uh, let me do apologize. We've been on hiatus for a few weeks, mostly because of me. It's uh, I've been somewhat under the weather uh, to the extent where I actually had to miss a few days of work, and that has uh, pushed my schedule into overdrive mode as I try and do makeup classes and rearrange my schedule to make up for the lost time. Um, also haven't been able to talk because I lost my voice for a while there, but uh, things are slowly getting back to normal and we are back again to talk about the latest and the greatest in what is Hong Kong cinema. So this week we will be talking about the latest uh, Wong Jing written and produced romantic comedy I Girl. But before we get to that, because we couldn't get our schedules to align just right, um, we're going to be hearing from Kevin as he talks a little bit about the news coming out of Film Art. Um, Film Art is happening this week, for those who don't know. Film Art is the sort of big uh, convention expo for the local film industry. You have a lot of uh, big celebrities showing up, making appearances, a lot of film studios uh, talking about what they're trying to get released in the coming year and what's being you know, what's on the books, what's being made. A lot of really interesting stuff. It actually happens literally just a few blocks away from where I work. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have the time that uh, I used to have where I could just leisurely kind of casually stroll over there and uh, peek in. But there are quite a few people that we do know who are covering the event, and there's a lot of stuff going on on Facebook in terms of coverage. So if that's something that interests you, sort of the what's what behind the scenes of the industry and what's going on, what's being planned, um, you know, take a look over at places like the uh, lovehkfilm.com group, or uh, I'd urge you to follow perhaps Ryan, Ryan Ra, as he goes by on uh, Facebook, and you can take a glimpse at some of the things that will be coming. And why don't I throw it over to Kevin at his virtual news desk this week, and he's going to give you a rundown of what's going on. Oh, along at the news desk this week, uh, reporting separately away from Paul. Um, this is kind of a new thing, so uh, let's get on with it. We're not reporting from Filmmark this week um, because, you know, I'm not there, but I do have an internet connection and a Facebook account, so we are following what's happening from Hong Kong's annual film trade fair from the comfort of my Facebook account. First up, we've already had several lineup announcements these past couple of days. Um, this is the end of the second day, uh, the time that I'm recording this. The biggest announcements include 
Call of Heroes, the period action film starring Lao Cheng Wan, Louis Ku, and Eddie Pang. From the trailer, it seems that the Benny Chen directed film is an action thriller about a small town facing big powers when a son of a tycoon, played by Louis Ku, um, is arrested for murder. The film comes out this summer. Shooting next month is The Brink for Sun Entertainment, an action film produced by director Soi Chang and directed by his SPL2 co-writer Jonathan Lee. The film is Max Jang, uh, who you may remember from The Grandmaster in SPL2, um, in his first starring role. And uh, not much is known about the story because it doesn't start shooting until uh, April 14th. But we know that the film also stars Sean Yu, Janice Mann, and Gordon Lamb. Moving over to China 3D Entertainment, in addition to their upcoming film adaptation of HKTV series The Menu, and also the film adaptation of Stage Play 29 Plus One, the company also announced the live-action Chinese-language adaptation of long-running game series Dynasty Warriors. Now, the game producers, or the company behind the game, sent representatives to show up at the stage, so this is official. The team behind this adaptation is writer Christine To and director Roy Chow, the married duo behind Murderer and most recently, Rise of the Legend. Also known as the film that managed to screw up something as difficult to screw up as the Wong Fei-Hung franchise. But for myself, the biggest announcement of the last two days came today at the Emperor Entertainment announcement. Uh, it is not the Fu Chan film starring Hins Chen. It is not Heaven in the Dark, the Jackie Chan, Karina Lam drama. It is actually Meow. It is uh, a film directed by Benny Chan about a race of alien cats who has secretly infiltrated Earth and into our lives just for food apparently to get fed by human beings not much is known about the plot but the film stars Louis Ku and I hope he's the human that gets you know dominated by these human cats almost decimated but um no we don't want to see Louis Ku get killed by cats now do we anyway this year is going to be awesome if this film does get made Meanwhile, um, away from film art now, up in China, Mermaid, the Stephen Chow comedy, has officially become the highest grossing film of all time in China. Now, that was two weeks ago, which means that it has shattered the record, and now it has made more than 520 million US dollars at the Chinese box office. Now, that's way more than what Deadpool has made in the United States. All right. So, of course, Sony Pictures in the United States would dump the film in theaters without any sort of advertisement and without telling anyone, including some of their own employees. Um, and even despite those conditions, Mermaid has already made more than US, three US dollars, well, three million US dollars, excuse me. Three million US dollars, which is pretty good considering, you know, the, the amount of effort Sony really put into um, to release this film. Continuing on with box office news, the Chinese release of Ip Man 3 was plagued with rumors of box office trickery by its distributor. The film, released two months late in China due to quote-unquote unknown reasons, has already made 1 billion yuan in minimum guarantees for its producers. Now, you may wonder what a guarantee, minimum guarantee is. That's when distributors pay the producers a certain amount in exchange for a bigger share of the pot once box office revenue revenue past that amount. Now, this minimum guarantee actually is usually made for um, 
big, uh, big film. So distributors, they want big film. So they offer a big minimum guarantee for the producers and tell them here, we're giving you this money right now instead of revenue sharing, we'll give you this big lump sum. And when when the box office rev- box office grows past that big lump sum, we'll take a bigger share. So we'll just bet, it's like a bet, right? Here, I'll bet that you'll make this, money, this much money. You bet it won't, whatever, I'll give you the money anyway. But if if I win the bet, I take more money. That's pretty much what the minimum guarantee is. However, netizens began to notice that the companies that paid the minimum guaranteed are actually connected to the producers, which means um, money comes from one hand and it gets handed to a, a, a subsidiary or something like that. Essentially, a company paying itself out. Um, now, why? Um, part of it is because the minimum guarantee deal behind um, this film involves a lot of P2P lending firms and, and several publicly listed companies, which means that if they are known to have paid this extravagant amount of money and it is your company's first foray into film, of course you want your film to do super well. Um, so, you know, you see news stories about, you know, huge money minimum guarantees and, and the film doing well, which does a lot for stock prices. Now, that means way more money than any any film can earn in the box office. Um, and also, what another sort of shady practice happening in this deal is what we call phantom screenings. Now, that's when cinemas, um, they list these screenings happening late at night, in the middle of the night, or they, they have these full shows in the morning when nobody goes to see the movies, um, or they line up shows um, 15 minutes apart in the same screen, um, things like that. There are various reasons for these kind of trickery, but one cinema has already admitted doing this because um, film distributors that have exclusive output deals or exclusive promotional deals with ticketing platforms. Um, now, these ticketing platforms, they subsidize the cinemas by letting them sell discount tickets, which means cinemas can sell tickets at, say, 3 yuan, 4 yuan, 10 yuan, whatever, super discount, and the ticking platform would eventually essentially subsidize those in order to attract users to use the platform. Um, one cinema admitted doing that in order to get those subsidies. So various, lots of shady practices going into this film just to make the 1 billion uh, yuan guaranteed. Um, but surprise, surprise, the Film Bureau has already promised to investigate after all these, all these practices came to the surface, which means Weibo. And um, guess what? It Man Free took a massive dive in the second weekend, and it is still 250 million yuan away from making its 1 billion yuan minimum guarantee target. So um, I guess this teaches you that crime or possible crime or shady practices that may not be crime because I don't want to get sued for libel doesn't pay. That's it for news this week. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on Twitter at The Golden Rock, or you can read me on Discovery Magazine and Silk Road Magazines um, on your Cathay Pacific and Dragonair flights. I am in charge of the Infla Entertainment section, so don't forget to read the last 30 pages of the magazines to see my work. Or you can download the iPad app uh, now on the iTunes store. Search Cathay Pacific Discovery and you should be able to find it. And uh, you can email me at thegoldenrock at gmail.com. That's thegoldenrock at gmail.com. That's it this week here at the news desk. Thank you, Paul. Back to you. And a big thanks to Kevin for 
reporting virtually uh, from his news desk, wherever that may be at this point in time. Why don't we take a short musical break, and we'll be back to talk about our film for this week, iGirl. So our latest review this week is talking about the Hong Kong-produced film iGirl. This is coming from director Kam Ka Wai. The basic story tells the story of Evan Lam, played by actor Ekin Cheng, a mild-mannered veterinarian who lives on the outer island of Chang Chao. Evan and his two friends, Erwin, played by Lam Chi Chong, and Johnny, played by Dominic Ho, are invariably henpecked and dumped by their Princess Syndrome-suffering girlfriends. But relief shows up in the form of iGirl. 001, played by Chrissy Chow, and her fellow fembots 002, played by Connie Mann, and 003, played by Joyce Cheng, each of whom are tailored to the desires of the three men. But when the ex-girlfriends catch sight of these better-than-life beauties, jealousy takes hold, and they seek to find out the secrets behind the bots themselves. So this is a film that, if you look at the trailer, and obviously given the somewhat Apple-esque name, we would say, is a film that kind of evokes a science fiction idea, but the film is far more fantasy than sci-fi. If you think of this as kind of a manga-esque excursion, you know, if you're familiar with sort of the romantic comedy slash fantasy or sci-fi uh, mangas that come out of Japan, you get a similar idea of, I think, the tone they were going for with this film. You have to look behind the fact that this is all occurring on modern-day Changchao. For those of you who don't know, Chung Chao is one of the outer islands of Hong Kong. It's one of the smaller islands. It has a very sort of unique, vibrant community. This is where they have the Bun Tower Climbing Festival um, during, I think, uh, Buddha's birthday every year. You can go there and, you know, get some interesting seafood. But it is a somewhat isolated community, and it's got a sort of unique culture all of its own um, that exists there, kind of a unique feel to it. The thing is, is that it's not... Uh, one, what one would consider a super high-tech place. I mean, they have to run cables out there, and, you know, any shipping that gets done out there has to be done by boat. And, and you know, it's just not a technological hub, as it were, uh, at least for Hong Kong. Nonetheless, uh, this is where we get the idea of this story taking place and the idea of these fembots, uh, for lack of a better word, getting created. So the, the film... It, itself being set in Chung Chow is interesting. Not too many Hong Kong films get set in Chung Chow. The last film that comes to mind, I think, is Jeff Lau's Fantastic Water Babies from 2010. You can also look to Dennis S.Y. Law's The Unusual Youth in 2005. And my personal favorite, probably Riley Yip Kam Hong's Just One Look from 2002, um, all feature significant uh, shots and location settings from the island itself. Unfortunately, this film stays put firmly in rom-com mode. It never really takes on anything more significant than the boy-meets-girl story. You're not going to find any kind of really depth or ingenuity as 
one might find with regard to the idea of man-machine relations, such as what you see in Her or last year's film uh, Ex Machina. Even if you look at something like Clamp's manga or anime series Chobits, which is kind of telling us a similar story, you know, a boy finds bot and uh, romance ensues. But even there, they are touching on ideas about, you know, integration of technology into our lives. And there's actually a pretty interesting book written on this subject. It's uh, from uh, a few years ago called uh, Love and Sex with Robots by scholar David Levy. And he looks at the idea of the anthropomorphication of machines and how machines are becoming much more integrated. And he envisions a future where in the not too far flung future that something like what we see happening here is um, likely, if not probable. And there have been some, I remember seeing a Reuters news report talking about there's a marginal fractional group who actually goes for these sort of real doll uh, kind of constructs that you can build. These aren't robots yet, but they're very sort of lifelike dolls that you can build and buy clothes for and dress. And um, there are people who actually, you know, establish in their mind relationships with these inanimate objects. This film never really gets too deep into these kind of discussions. And I think that's part of the problem that Hong Kong films typically have with science fiction. They simply take it as sort of a superficial narrative that never really gets too deep into engagement or discussion. And as such, beyond what you're kind of shown in terms of the uh, visual effects as a kind of science fiction, the, the fact that these girls are supposed to be robots, it never gets much beyond that. So you could just easily replace the idea of robot with ghost or alien or you know, any other kind of odd entity, uh, you know, and you get this human slash entity relationship as the story narrative. And and that's what they're doing here. And and it's to be expected. I mean, this is a, I think Wong Jing has the script credit here. He's obviously not going to delve too deep into the subject matter. He's going to stick with what he's used to, what he knows, and what is traditional for sort of the Hong Kong rom-com relationship. Some interesting side notes, though. Dominic Ho, who we saw a few weeks ago in The Gigolo 2, partnered with Connie Mann, also from that film. Uh, we joked, there were some jokes after the fact that this could have actually been a kind of Gigolo 3 sequel potential here that was actually wasted in this film because the two of them get kind of paired up again here. They do make fun of the uh, Eakin commercial, which I think was referenced last time in... Um, Love and a Buff, Pang Ho Chung's film. And it's kind of funny. It still works because, again, you know, it is Eakin kind of uh, poking fun at himself. And the uh, bots themselves, the three girls, they have sort of unique representation. They each have a significant color. So 001, who's Chrissy Chow, um, she has she's represented by the color blue. Whereas Connie Mann's 002 is represented by red, and I think uh, Joyce Chang's color was green or yellow. Um, And so it corresponds to the clothing um, that the girls are ultimately, you know, dressed in in various shots. It also represents their charge time, so they stand on this, like, charging device, and uh, the device will glow in, in a respective color. 
And there are times when there's some implied sexy time that happens with the characters. And so you'll see this glow coming out of the windows um, as that as that is supposedly going on. Beyond that, um, it pretty much sticks to regular Hong Kong rom-com territory with jealous girlfriends and trying to get revenge and, you know, breaking apart and the partnerships. The girls themselves are each kind of tailored to the desires of um, their their individual boyfriends in, in this case. So Chrissy Chow is... Uh, you know, somewhat inquisitive and standoffish at first, whereas Connie Mann is uh, seductive and, and, you know, always wanting to engage in intimacy mode, as, as they call it in the film. Joyce Chang's, she's slightly heavyset, and so she's, of course, paired with Lam Ji Chung, also a heavyset actor, and they are, you know, constantly engaged with eating and being silly. And it's unfortunate that they go for these very stereotypical uh, traditional pairings. I mean, that might have been interesting if Dominic Ho and Joyce Chang had been paired together as sort of the odd couple that worked, and vice versa, Lam Chi Chong with um, Connie Mann. It would have been at least more interesting and, and, and less predictable kind of pairing. There are other points, too, where I think the film just falls short. There's an end plot device that is used, which is a direct ripoff from a famous sci-fi comedy that I won't spoil it, but you'll see it coming when it comes, and you'll just kind of shake your head and go, really? They're just going to directly lift that out of that film? It doesn't truly make sense in the context of the overall narrative, too, because of what it's trying to do, and because of the time period we live in with just, you know, the, the, so many different pieces of technology, and some of the stuff we're shown in the film. It, it just, it, it, that device, that, that kind of technique, that thing, that bit of a tech, if you will, doesn't work in that situation the way it should, I think. You know, the, the idea, too, as I said, of the odd human and X pairing with X being the variable, you know, insert again, ghost, alien, demon, creature from the past, whatever. It pulls in this common narrative device where if you've seen these kind of love stories, it's the idea that, OK, these two can't be together because it's an unnatural pairing. Something happens to ultimately drive them apart, but at the last moment of the film, something, you know, there, there, there's, there's a saving kind of grace moment, we would say, um, so that you get a happy ending. You've, you've seen this done before, if you've seen much of Hong Kong cinema at all, and they do that same technique here. And then they go a little bit beyond it by trying to uh, actually be a bit more meta with it, which for me didn't work. The Ikin and Chrissy pairing, uh, we've seen them before. They, they have shown they can have some chemistry. They were together in the film uh, Breakup 100 a couple years ago, back in 2014. And they don't quite have the same level of chemistry here. And in part, that's because Chrissy Chow's not given a lot to do. As, you know, the role dictates, she's basically just a doll. And Ikin is kind of a jerk through much of the film in the way that he ends up treating her as more of an object, even though she's showing the capacity to learn and to grow in a sense. This comes from director Kam Ka Wai, who it's the director's first film. The director has quite a bit of experience as an assistant director with films like From Vegas to Macau 2, Helios, uh, Midas Touch, Badges of Furies, um, you know, going back, Mr. and Mrs. Gambler, Ip Man 2. So quite a range of experience 
as an assistant director, as a director here, it's a solid freshman start, I would say. But again, more of the problem than anything else lies, I think, more with the script than with the direction. Most of what we see on screen, most of what the actors are doing is fine. It works within the context of, of what they're asked to do, the lines they're asked to deliver, their gags they're asked to do. Some of the CG does get uh, a little bit out of hand at times, uh, you know, as good to be, can be expected with a sort of low-budget film like this. There's a scene in particular where I think the bot girls are doing sort of a competition with the ex-girlfriends, and their uh, Connie Mann and her relative uh, opponent, the ex-girlfriend of Dominic Ho's character, they're having a dance. It's supposed to be a, like a sexy dance-off in a club, and Connie Mann actually ends up doing like a sort of Chun Li style spinning bird kick uh, move, helicoptering in the air for almost a minute or something. It, it's it gets really over the top, and again, you have to understand that the idea of somebody creating you know this level of technology is not. I mean, this is set in present day Chung Chow, so there's there, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief that we're being asked to do, uh, especially when you see the setting in which the girls are supposedly created and, and, and who the creator is. I won't spoil those things. The, it's kind of fun in some ways, but it's also kind of nonsensical. So yeah, the, the, the collective sum here is that you're going to get some gags, um, and if you can look beyond the, the limitations of the, the, the attempt at sci-fi in the narrative, and you'll have a little bit of fun. So see it for that, and... Uh, see it for the leads, and you know you'll 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 smile a little bit, perhaps. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. You have been listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Our theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. And we have a tremendous amount of support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us at eastscreen at gmail.com, or you can drop us a line over on our Facebook page. That is East S West S. I also urge you to follow along with Kevin. Um, as, as he mentioned earlier, you can follow him over on Twitter, The Golden Rock. Also, do check in with the work he's doing. Um, it's pretty awesome writing stuff for the Cathay and uh, the Silk Road magazines. Um, you can look up the magazines for free. If you have the iPad app, um, just look up Discovery, and you can find it there. doesn't cost you anything, and you can see the kind of stuff he's writing about. We did talk about doing an episode on uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. That got pushed to the side because uh, I only got to see part of it because uh, in the interim when I was watching it on U.S. Netflix, Netflix laid out the ban hammer on the VPN service the paid VPN service I was using. And so I cannot access the movie now. So we'll probably come back to it. It's going to get a Hong Kong Netflix release sometime in the near future. So once I get to see the film in its entirety, we will come back and 
uh, do that. So we are a little bit uh, out of sequence with what we planned because of that, because of uh, the sick days in which I was out, still kind of recovering. My voice is still not back to 100%. But ideally, our next episode for 188, we should be looking at Kung Fu Panda 3, which we're finally getting in Hong Kong, I think, weeks after the rest of the world. I'm excited to see that, so that is up for our show next time. All of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Green West Green Podcast saying... Have fun at Film Art if you're there, and if not, we'll be following you on Facebook, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Uh.